All right, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Hoops Podcast. It is Tuesday, October the 17th, 2017. And yes, the Southeast Hoops Podcast is officially back. I told you guys last month uh, it could be very sporadic uh, over the next month or so while I was busy trying to put together my preseason power rankings, do a lot of other stuff to prep for the start of the season. And now that all that has been taken care of and we are now, you know, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, the day it's recorded, we are now only a day away from SEC Basketball Media Day, which will take place on Wednesday in Nashville. I will be there uh, and have so much stuff coming your way, both podcasts, videos, written stuff, all sorts of stuff coming out of that uh, to get you more prepared for the season. But on today's episode, we are going to specifically talk about the preseason power rankings, which I said finally went up on the website, something I've been working on for months now and really just trying to dissect each of these teams. If you followed me on Twitter, if you followed on the website, you know, you've heard me talk about just how much kind of work has gone into this and trying to figure out, you know, where these teams are going to land this season. And as I mentioned in the article, um, you know, I think if you haven't read the article yet, I would do that first before listening to the podcast because I think it'll give you a good foundation for what's coming up and kind of how I'm going to talk about some, kind of some of the decisions I made in ranking some of these teams. Uh, but it just it seems like even with all the breakdowns of all the players of the teams and all the different facets of the SEC. I am still as confused as ever in trying to figure out, you know, how things could unfold because that's how good on paper it looks like the conference is going to be this year. And that made it so difficult uh, to decide, you know, and and as I mentioned this as well, I couldn't probably tell you with 100% confidence, maybe, you know, 85, 90% confidence of where any single team would finish this year because I think every single spot is wide open. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, a team that's picked 14th has a chance to be first or anything like that. I'm just saying that usually we can pinpoint and say, hey, that's your number one team, that's your number 14 team, you know, that's your 13, 12, and so on. We just can't do that this year but because I think there are just so many, you know, competitive teams, so many teams that you could make a case for making the NCAA tournament. And I think realistically, you know, You could probably look at 13 of these 14 teams and say, hey, if everything goes right, if everything goes according to plan, I could see them making the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a tough haul for LSU to be able to do that just because I think there's still some rebuilding to do there defensively. Uh, Will Wade's still adding depth. As I continue to say, he's the right fit there, a great hire. It's just going to take a little bit of time, and he's going to have them on track quicker than than most people think. I just don't think it's going to be this year, especially considering how competitive the league is going to be but elsewhere you could make the case for everyone else and saying if we get down to late february early march is this team going to be in the mix for the ncaa tournament bid i think you can make the case for every other team in the in the sec i really do and you know obviously 13 teams aren't going to make it but i don't think eight teams is out of the question i know people are going to laugh at that elsewhere but it's not out of the question because a lot of these teams are playing strong non-conference schedules and because the the depth of the SEC is going to make, you know, wins so valuable in this league, if you can finish in that top eight, 
you're going to put yourself in good position, I, I think, come NCAA tournament time and being on the bubble and all sorts of different things. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead and talk about just some of the spots, and I'm not going to go through the whole list. Like I said, you can read that on southeasttubes.com, but I'm going to go through a couple of the decisions that were kind of harder than others, and we're going to start at the top because I, I had a very tough time you know, deciding who should be number one. Uh, and, and I realistically, honestly think I would feel okay putting three, maybe four teams of my top four. I I could, would be okay putting any one of those teams at the top. Uh, I do think that the number one team I decided on Kentucky, the number two team, Florida are a little bit above the the next group, which was Alabama and Texas A&M. Not that far above them, though, really. I mean, really, they're not. Like, I just don't think there's that much difference between any of those four teams. And look, if everything goes according to plan at Missouri, if the guys behind Michael Porter Jr. are who we think they can be, you could even put Missouri in that mix. I mean, you know, I think that's a realistic possibility. And so... I ultimately went with Kentucky number one, as I I put it in the article. It's kind of like going back to the ex-girlfriend. You keep trying to find ways to go to someone else, but but that ex-girlfriend just keeps pulling you back in, and that's what happened with Kentucky. I see all the youth. I see the inexperience. You know, I see John Calipari on Twitter talking about, man, we got a long way to go, but there's just so much talent there, and that talent is something that if it all comes together you know, you'd much rather work with, with good talent, I think, you know, with less experience than a lot less talent with a lot of experience because I think you can make something out of that talent, and we know he's been able to do that year after year. And so I, I put Kentucky one. Uh, I just think there's a very good chance that it all comes together. Now, look, it would not surprise me if we're talking about Kentucky losing several games in the non-conference schedule. It wouldn't surprise me if we're talking about Kentucky finishing at third or fourth in the SEC this year. I just think that's the kind of year it's going to be. So to say that they're number one with 100% certainty, absolutely not, uh, because it could go so many different directions. And they're going to struggle on the road. I really believe that. I just think they're going to have some issues on the road this year uh, because it's just, again, you got to be able to kind of add to that that youth, and they may have some early struggles, and they're going to play some tough games away from home because it's going to be a very kind of different atmosphere this year, I think, in the SEC, where you know anytime you're on the road, no matter who you're playing, uh, it's going to be difficult. And even at home, I think you know Kentucky's going to be tested at home this year more than they have in recent years too, just because the overall quality of the league has gotten a lot better. So I did go with Florida at two, and you know I, I can make the case for the Gators being the regular season champion. And something else I brought up is look. I mean, I could go as far as probably saying that even though I picked Kentucky 1, Florida may be the team with the best makeup to, to make a Final Four run of anybody in the SEC. I just I love the pieces that are in place. Uh, Chris Gios is back. Kayvon Allen's an SEC Player of the Year candidate. Uh, once they get John Igbunu back, as long as he's the John Igbunu we think he can be, uh, coming off of that ACL entry, then they are loaded. I mean, and you have the breakout guys that could be there. Igor Kulachov, the Rice transfer, Kavarius Hayes, very high on him, uh, and then you've got the, the young guys as well. A very good recruiting class. He's going to have their Chase Johnson, DeAndre Ballard, uh, those sorts of teams, and it's just kind of those sorts of players. And so I, I could make the case for Florida being perhaps, you know, we talk about kind of the mix that's needed to make a run in the tournament, and like we said with Kentucky, you know, maybe that youth kind of hurts them uh, in a tournament setting. Uh, but I like Florida. I just think they've got the mix and match of all the pieces you need to, to really make a deep run. Uh, and so 
there you go. And then talking about those other two teams, Alabama and Texas A&M, they're pretty even to me. Uh, I do think Texas A&M probably has the best starting five overall of anybody in the SEC. Uh, with that group, I mean, we're talking about J.J. Caldwell, Admon Gilder, D.J. Hogue, Robert Williams, Tyler Davis. Uh, it's a pretty incredible lineup. And, and I think the biggest thing, kind of maybe why I didn't put A&M first, which you're going to see people pick A&M first. I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you. If we go into SEC Media Day tomorrow and the media picks Texas A&M number one, I wouldn't be surprised because that starting lineup is very formidable. It's It's one that's very hard to prepare for. But I still want to see how that point guard situation is going to kind of shake out. I think J.J. Caldwell is the real deal, uh, but this team has to be able to to not turn the ball over like they did last year. Um, and so that's kind of a wait and see there. But like I said, they're another one of those teams, if they win the regular season outright, uh, would in no way be surprised with the Aggies doing that. And then a couple other uh, kind of interesting ones, you know, just going through and kind of trying to figure out where to place some of these teams. Um, you know, Auburn's a team that I've talked about all summer as being a top five SEC team. I wound up putting them at six, uh, but I still am going to have them higher than most people, I think, uh, because the talent's there. I mean, we know that. The talent is there. Uh, they have so much talent on that roster, and we're talking about a, a top three overall depth maybe in the SEC for Auburn just on the offensive end of the floor. Look, you got to score to win games, but you also got to defend. And I think that's where the hesitation still kind of comes in with this Auburn team is they've got to be better on defense. Um, if they can even be halfway better than they were a year ago, you know, Auburn could find themselves in that top four. And I don't think that's a stretch because you look at all these different guys. I mean, we've talked about this roster, the, the four scores returning, the four top scores that were all freshmen last year. They add Deshaun Murray, who I wrote about uh, on my all-underrated team. I think he could be really fantastic for them. I think he's going to fit in well with how they want to play. And then Chumo Kiki, a very talented freshman. you still got guys coming back like Bryce Brown and Horace Spencer. Uh, so Auburn has a very versatile and deep lineup. And I think that's something that Bruce Pearl is going to have the luxury of working with as long as they can get that defense on track. Um, and then to get to the bulk of what was really the, the toughest part of this entire process. And that was figuring out teams 7 to 13. Um, it seems like we always talk about that. It's always difficult to figure out the middle of the SEC. And usually it's because, you know, we've looked around and said, well, you know, none of these teams have a chance to be that good. So where do we put them? It's completely different this year because it's the fact that all of these teams have a chance to be really good. It's just you don't know kind of how it's going to shake out. You know, we're talking about potential to where, you know, maybe two or three games separate all these teams here in the middle of the pack in terms of the standings just because anybody's going to be able to beat anybody on any given night. Uh, and not because we're talking about bad teams, but we're talking about good teams finally. Uh, so ultimately what I went with was Arkansas at 7, Vanderbilt at 8, Ole Miss at 9, Mississippi State 10, Georgia 11, Tennessee 12, South Carolina 13. Starting at the bottom. <laughs> if you're a South Carolina fan, you've read the article, you're listening to the podcast, you should be celebrating with all your might because every single time we go into the preseason and I pick against South Carolina, the media picks against South Carolina, everyone under the sun picks against South Carolina, and yet somehow they always find a way to finish a ridiculous amount of spots higher 
Uh, I went back to a couple years ago where we talked about South Carolina being picked 10th. They finished 4th in the SEC, won 25 games. Go back to last year, they were picked 8th in the SEC. Obviously, made it to the Final Four. Um, so there, you should not be bothered by a low pick for, if you're a South Carolina fan just because this is what we do, apparently. Uh, but picking against a Frank Martin team is always dangerous. But the more I looked at South Carolina, I have questions about every single thing that they lost from last year. You know, Sedarius Thornwell, P.J. Dozier, Dwayne Notice, now where Kim Felder suspended and definitely won't be there, uh, you know, for now at least. And so those are big losses. And Chris Silva is someone that I think can be, you know, that guy. He can step up and really be a very, very good player this year and take over, you know, being, like I said, the guy on that team. Uh, Corey Holden's a very good scorer, probably the best scorer on that team, I would say, the Delaware trans- transfer. Um, but elsewhere, there are question marks. And we know South Carolina's going to play defense, but I just don't know that they're going to pack the kind of punch on a night-in and night-out basis that you're going to need to win, you know, games in the SEC, especially have to steal games on the road, uh, you know, to be able to move up in the standings. They're going to have a toughness to them. We know that. They're going to play defense. But I'm just, you know, I think that's why I wound up putting South Carolina, you know, the lowest of that group just because I just couldn't see enough depth there, at least on paper, uh, to pick them any higher. But like I said, that'll probably mean that South Carolina will go out and finish second, uh, get back to the Final Four, and just, you know, once again, Frank Martin will just laugh at all of us. So, and then to go back to the first team in that mix, and we talked about it, the first team in that mix was Arkansas at 7. And, you know, I brought up it could be 7-13, to 13, but really, I mean, you could, you know, Auburn, if they don't play defense, you could put Auburn in this group as well. Uh, I'm just, again, I'm higher on Auburn than most people probably are coming to the season because I like the talent there, and I think they're going to be better on defense. But, you know, talking about Arkansas, they they moved around a lot this summer. I mean, I, I had them, you know, I had them, I think, as low as 10th probably at one point. Uh, just because trying to find, you know, kind of who are going to be the people that replace the intangibles that guys like, you know, Moses Kingsley, Dusty Hannes brought to the table. And that's still a question mark for me because I still don't know who those guys are going to be. But when you have two guys like Macon and Barford, and I talked about this about with Missouri in the same situation, to win in the SEC this year, you're going to have to have playmakers. And because you're going to have to, you know, because games are going to be much more difficult on the road to where you've got to have that guy you can turn to in close games on the road, at home, whatever. It doesn't matter. Arkansas has two of those guys. They have Macon and they have Barford. And so, to me, that gives Arkansas kind of an advantage when you talk about, you know, you feel pretty confident that if they're in these close games, and there are going to be a lot of close games in the SEC this year, Arkansas is going to have opportunities to win uh, because of those two. Now, they're going to have to have some big guys step up. That, that you know, kind of group of Dustin Thomas, Trey Thompson, uh, other, you know, Daniel Gafford, the freshman, guys like that are going to have to kind of do it by committee because I don't know that we're going to see one of those guys break out and be a 15 and, you know, 8 type of guy on every single night. So you got to have the depth there with those guys, and they've got to develop. Uh, Anton Beard's a guy I think is kind of underrated. He'll be someone that'll help them, obviously, on offensive end floor and defense. Uh, we know they're going to have kind of that up-tempo style, and I think that gives Arkansas an advantage uh, in that regard. And I just I do like that freshman group. I mean, we talked about what Gaffer could do. Another guy like Khalil Garland uh, could be another guard that gives them depth. 
So I, that's why I went with the Razor, Razorbacks at seven. I think they're an NCAA tournament team, uh, but I do want to see kind of how they replace, you know, a very good inside player in Kingsley and a very, very good shooter in Hannah's because they're going to have to do that uh, if they want to be able to stay in that upper half of the SEC. And just to kind of go over the other teams kind of in that pack, I mean, like we talked about, there's Vanderbilt, um, you know, there's Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, Vanderbilt, you know, obviously there are concerns there in the front court too, like we talked about with Arkansas. They have to replace Luke Cornett, which is not easy to do. Uh, and they have, you know, maybe more unproven guys there in the front court than some of these other teams because you just don't know yet what we're going to get out of Cleavon Brown, out of Jerry Baptiste, out of Kay Obena. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of those guys. And so I think that's that's certainly something that stands out for Vanderbilt. Uh, but they do, again, like we talked about Macon Barford, they've got three guys with a lot of experience in playing on the road in the SEC and winning big games and Riley LaChance, uh, Matthew Fisher-Davis, and Jeff Roberson. They're all seniors. So I think that edge is going to give Vanderbilt, you know, again, a lot of opportunity. And I could see Vanderbilt being one of those teams that, that moves into that top six uh, part of the SEC just because they, they do have those three guys who have kind of been been around. They know what it takes to win in this league, uh, and that's going to be an advantage that Bryce Root can kind of lean on, uh, again, in those close games that, that they're going to have this season. And on Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Georgia, Tennessee, look, I mean, I'm telling you, I could have put any of those four teams at number seven and felt okay about it. Um, because of that group, I mean, it's hard to really single out one of those teams and say, you know, hey, uh, this team I know for sure is going to finish in the spot because they could all be interchangeable. Ole Miss has really, really good guards. Uh, Mississippi State has Quindary Weatherspoon. They have guys that are developing in the front court, and again, they have a very good backcourt as well. Georgia has Yonte Mayton. Uh, Tennessee has a bunch of very good guards too. So, it's just like you have to kind of pick and find, you know, where are the intangibles? What are some other facets that may put this team ahead of the other? And quite frankly, there is so little room that separates, you know, these kind of teams. And that goes for the other teams we've already mentioned too. You know, it's just everybody's going to be close. This entire range of teams is probably going to finish within a game or two of each other. Uh, you know, we'll have ties and all that stuff. You know, you could have three teams with the same record here in this group. Um, and so it just it makes it so difficult to kind of say, well, why should this team be ranked ninth and this team be ranked twelfth? Well, I don't know. We have to put them somewhere, and that's really the only answer is you have to put these teams somewhere. And you know, I don't feel confident about saying that you know team nine is going to be better than team twelve because they're just so close together. Um, and so it's just it makes it very challenging to do. But Tennessee is the one I wound up putting Tennessee at twelve. But I'll tell you this, I just think Tennessee, there is something that I keep coming back to uh, with this team that makes me feel like, you know, they may be that team we're talking about and saying, wow, where did Tennessee come from? Uh, you know, they lost Robert Hubbs last year. We thought maybe they're going to take a step back because they don't really have much proven, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say playmakers because I mean, Grant Williams is obviously a very good player. Admiral Schofield, I think, is very underrated. Um but they don't really have that rebounding edge, it feels like. Uh, they lack size, and I think those two things could kind of form a combination that could hurt them at times this year. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just something about this Tennessee team. Like we said, the intangibles. I thought Tennessee was one of the tougher teams in the conference last year just in terms of just pure toughness. 
Now, they may have struggled late in the season when they had those chances to make the NCAA tournament, but there's just something about this team that feels like you've got some players there uh, to where Tennessee is just kind of going to take that hard-nosed attitude uh, you know, just, just they're going to outwork people. Maybe that's the best way to put it because I could see that happening and I could see Tennessee finishing in the top half of the SEC. Uh, but like I said, they're just that's that rebounding, I think, could be an issue. They have an opportunity to play small because, like I said, they have so many good guards. Um, you know, they add James Daniel, they add Chris Darrington, uh, who are two guys that, that are going to be able to come in and make an impact right away. Uh, but you, you know, I think beyond that, there are still question marks. Uh, Georgia, I don't know. I mean, I, I've said this too in that I, there's no possible way I could pick a Yante Maton team to finish last uh, or anything like that. And the more I've looked at Georgia's roster, the more it's kind of grown on me uh, because I do think with Maton, Rayshon Hammonds, a very talented freshman, Derek Ogbede, I think it's going to be much improved this year. He's going to have to be more of a threat on offense than he has been, and that's a question mark because like Mark Fox told me this summer, you know, he's never really had to be an offensive threat. He's just been able to be that rebounding guy, use his strength, uh, play good defense, but this year he's going to have to score a little bit more because people are going to be looking a lot more at Maiden. You know, they looked at him a lot last year, but J.J. Frazier's gone, and a lot of teams are going to turn their attention to Maiden, and that's going to give, you know, Agbede a chance to, to be able to score more inside. And then you look at that perimeter play, and that's what it's going to come down to for Georgia. Turtle Jackson, Tyree Crump, Jordan Harris, Juwan Parker. Those four guys are the most important pieces of the puzzle for Georgia this year. Losing Frazier, you're not going to replace him with one of those guys. They're going to have to do it by committee, and even then, they're going to have a tough time replicating all the things that Frazier brought to the table. He's such a unique player. Uh, just being able to use his size the way that he did to score, to facilitate. So one of those guys, two of those guys have to step up and be able to to get this offense kind of where it needs to head uh, to get Georgia headed in the right direction. And that's a question mark. I think three-point shooting could also be an issue for this Georgia team. Don't see a lot of great shooters on this team. Uh, so maybe that's a couple things as well, you know, where teams try to play more zone against Georgia. Uh, to be able to keep Mayton, you know, in check and keep Ogbede in there and then just make, you know, that guard group right there say, hey, you guys have to beat us from three if you're going to beat us, and that could be a challenging task uh, for the Bulldogs. So the same with Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I mean, the ceiling is high. I could make the case for them two being the sleeper teams. Uh, I love Ole Miss's backcourt. Mississippi State, I love all the talent there. It's just got to come together. They've got to win close games. They're still going to be inexperienced. I mean, the least experienced team in the country last year, and they're still going to be pretty inexperienced uh, when you compare them to other teams around the SEC. But there's enough talent there for them to win. And so it is, man. It, it was a lot of fun to do these power rankings. But like I said, if you had to you know, ask me if I came out of this feeling much more confident about all these different teams in terms of where they're going to finish, I didn't because it's just, who knows? I mean, you could flip a coin on eight, nine of these teams and say, hey, I'm okay with this team finishing there. I'm okay with this team finishing there. You know, the team, you know, 14 could finish 10th. Absolutely. Uh, Team 12 could finish fifth. Yes, they could. Like, it's just, you don't know. Uh, but that's what's going to make the SEC fun this year, and it's going to be a lot of fun at Media Day in Nashville. It will be interesting to see kind of where the media picks uh, all these teams, you know, put all the rankings together, where does it shake out, 
And as I continue to say, if you're someone who puts all your stock in SEC preseason power rankings, don't. Because all they are is fun to do preseason power rankings. They mean absolutely nothing when the season starts. But it was a lot of fun to kind of try to figure out where to put all these teams. And hopefully you enjoyed uh, reading a very lengthy read. I know almost 5,000 words. uh, But hopefully you enjoyed kind of getting a read there on what all these teams are going to present this season on the floor and how things could shake out. So if you haven't already, be sure to go over to southeasthoops.com. Check out the Power Rankings piece that I put up. We have a ton of stuff going up. I also put up a lot of other stuff at the end of the Power Rankings post. Uh, You can look through all the preview stuff we've done, player previews, links to the podcast, uh, my preseason awards, which I have more to come on that, and they'll come actually after media day and all that. I'll have player of the year, coach of the year, all that stuff coming up as well. So be sure to check that out. Uh, and like I said, be sure to stay tuned. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Blake Level, and I will have a lot of updates for you coming from SEC Media Day, uh, videos, podcasts, interviews, all sorts of stuff on the way. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned to that. And give me your thoughts on the on the rankings. Give me your rankings. How about that? Go over to Twitter. Send me how you think the SEC will unfold this year. Because as I always say, we, it's funny because on social media now. You know, people are good at just saying, hey, you're, you're an idiot. You know, you got this team in the wrong place. But you don't really give a reason why. Give me a reason why Team A should be here, Team B should be here, and so on. Because I think that's what promotes good discussion, and that's what makes this fun, especially in a year like this for the SEC, uh, where there are so many good teams. And, you know, I think we could all make a case for, for being able to kind of identify where teams could land. Uh, and that's what's going to make this a whole lot of fun this year. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. And be sure to head over to iTunes, search for Southeast Hoops. You can subscribe to the podcast for free. And a lot more podcasts coming now as we hit closer to the start of the season. And so be sure you're subscribed so you don't miss anything. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. And I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>